Hello there and welcome again to the Effect Your Life podcast where we inspire you to live and lead by God's design. It's Emmanuel here again and this episode continues the series where we look at six questions that will empower you to live effectively as a disciple. Now in the previous episode, if you have caught up with that, we looked at the question, who is your Lord? And today we will be attending to the question, who are you? And just to mention that I will be doing a book review to help bring this to life. So kindly listen to the end. Now the question, who are you, is not a trick question. In fact, if life's most important question is who is in charge, then life's second most important question is, what's your relationship to the one who's in charge? And that's a quote by Glenn MacDonald. Now, I do not know if you've seen the movie, uh, The The Chosen. It's actually a series. It's, it's, It's a movie or a series about the gospel that brings the gospel to life in many ways. Um, I saw the series in December of 2019 and I found it quite intriguing and I think you should check it out. Now in episode 4 of that series we see Simon. So Simon is married, he owes a lot of money to the Romans and he's just about to get arrested and have his house, his boat and every other thing that he owned seized. And so the night before this day he's on sea. But obviously, he does catch nothing. And so on the morning of that fateful day, Jesus shows up. And so eventually, he gets the great catch, as we all know. And so he drops down to his knees and does tell Jesus to depart from him, stating that he has been a sinful man. So Jesus then looks at him and Jesus says to him, Simon, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Peter then turns from being a fisherman to being a disciple in almost a moment. Now it was though it was as though he experienced a change in identity, which he eventually was later going to find out what that entailed, in other words, what it meant to be a disciple. You see, I believe that the issue of discipleship is about finding a peculiar identity that has to do with our following Jesus and living it out. Now, it's true that believers have embraced identities such as sons of God, loved by God, forgiving and accepted, and much more. And personally, I believe that according to scriptures, these identities are very crucial for believers to leave out the fullness of all that God has ordained for them. But I believe that we are at a time where our hearts will be awakened to our identity as disciples because the intentional spread of the gospel hinges on this. And truth is, only intentional disciples will spread the gospel. Now, I'm talking about disciples here. In the Jewish culture, disciples were called Talmidim. Disciples considered it a privilege to be taught by a rabbi, especially if the rabbi was honorable. So many times they sought out the rabbi, sort of like they applied to the rabbi for his tutorship. And sometimes the rabbi would accept them as students if he saw the potential in them, depending on the rabbi. And some of the times he would turn them down. But in very interesting cases, there were also scenarios where it was the rabbi that actually went after the student in order to train and make the student become all that you know the student could be. But we see that from the perspective of the disciple or the Talmidim, as, as it is in Jewish culture, they did beyond just attending their rabbi's classes. 
So they followed their rabbis closely. They walked with their rabbis in the marketplace. They sat beside their rabbis in gatherings. And basically the idea was just to see how they did life. The primary goal and the major focus for them was to become just like their rabbi. And we see almost the same thing play out with Jesus and his disciples. When he called his disciples, he chose them to be with him, to follow him, to live by his teaching and basically to imitate him. And we see that in the New Testament, the word disciple is actually carved from the Greek word matetes, which really means being a learner, a pupil, or an apprentice, even a student. And we see that as disciples of Jesus, we are his lifelong learners and followers. We are committed to making others other disciples. And we see that by design, we were called to consistently keep growing in the knowledge of our master, even though he's not present on earth today. In the light of this knowledge of our master, we follow him and we lose ourselves. We surrender ourselves and follow the master. It's also in this place that we make disciples. We remember that the mandate that Jesus gave to believers is to go and make disciples not just to teach them but to teach them to obey and we see that we come to the light of this identity being of being disciples when we attempt to daily leave out this um this this gift or this calling that has been mandated upon us as as god's children and so being or living as disciples basically has to do with incorporating our followership into our daily living living in the consciousness okay of this identity and seizing the opportunities as they come our way and i think at this juncture i would review the book um the 10 second rule because the book tends to bring to life um, very practically the idea of discipleship. Now, before I review the book, I would tell you how I met the book because it was quite an interesting incident or scenario that played out. So on that particular day, I was on the streets of a neighborhood. So I actually had a meetup with a newly made friend and um, he offered to show me around uh, his neighborhood, one where he usually would spend time making friends and you know, just building relationships. And while we got talking, he made mention of something that whenever he had an opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus or to walk in kindness, he made the decision to go ahead and talk to the person within 10 seconds. And that if he stayed longer than that, the chances were very slim that he would ever do it again. Now, he made mention in passing of a book, The 10 Second Rule, where he got the insight from. And I was quite fascinated. I couldn't let that go. So as soon as I got home, I went onto Amazon and I made an order for the book. Now, let me tell you about the book. So the 10 second row is a 210 page book. If you have the 2013 print version, it's nonfiction with emphasis on the Christian life, spiritual growth and mentorship. It's authored by Claire the Graph. Um, he is a one time successful owner of a manufacturing business. Who sold his business and rejected cultural Christianity and we're going to be throwing lights on what cultural Christianity really is about uh, because he was triggered by a crisis of faith at the age of 31 and interestingly currently he has devoted the rest of his life to serve God and to being a full-time mentor to guide men of all ages all around the world.
Now, this book throws a guiding light that tries to that aims to bring Christians out of cultural Christianity, spiritual lifelessness, and helps especially those who spend a lot of time trying to figure out if God wants to do wants them to do a thing or not. Like we all find sometimes find ourselves in that place where we are not really sure if we have to do this or we should not do it. Now, this book is strong at knackering in the decision and throwing in some impetus for action and so the underlining principle behind the book is this just do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do and do it within 10 seconds and so the book um, is a blend of principles practices and preparation in other words Claire does not just suggest what, but he suggests how, and he helps you prepare. He also gets to mingle a lot of real-life stories and examples in the book just to bring out the concept to life. And for people who are wary of rules, um, Claire suggests that by living in the reality of this, we would transit from not just having a rule, but you know, living a lifestyle that is consistent. Personally, at the heart of this book for me is something that's very crucial to my faith, which is um, the need for prompt obedience and absolute surrender, not just in words, but in deeds. I have seen indeed how that prompt obedience and surrender can set a Christian on fire, you know, and that's very interesting and that ties to the experience that Claire had. Uh, Claire's experience is very inspiring, you know. He was born into a Christian home and he was raised as such, but he still had questions, just as quite a number of people growing up as Christians still have questions. In particular, he did not feel anything, any excitement or passion for Jesus and basically what he did was just to keep on pushing it, you know, until he experienced a crisis of faith, like I mentioned earlier. He was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer, which then pushed him to reread the scriptures. Now, while he was studying the scriptures, the gospels in particular, he found out that his instinct for self-preservation was being addressed. And he also realized that Jesus offered only one plan after redemption, which is take up your cross and follow me now his commitment to surrender to the plan of jesus that he found in the gospels was also um, met with a moment or a period in his life where he got to encounter the 10 second rule and that sort of brought him to a place of awakening and spiritual vitality now practically speaking one highlight of this book remains the need to consistently go beyond the things that i have gotten used to doing in the name of obedience you know every christian sort of has a routine that he does he or she does in the name of obedience say go to church say give your tithes and offerings say attend bible study but Claire suggests the need for us to take on adventures with God and how this has the ability to set the Christian on fire. In his words, Claire says, I think we Christians who were once on fire for God often slowly and unconsciously drift towards religious activities. 
even good ones, because they are relatively convenient and culturally acceptable forms of obedience. Now, Claire suggests that cultural Christianity has made loads of Christians unaware of the obedience that is on a personal level, that is sort of the obedience that is between you and God, and that is out of culture. You know, that obedience that is void of culture and repetitiveness, you know, that obedience that takes us out of our comfort zone to try new and unrehearsed things. And he points out that God wants us actually to go beyond our comfort zone of obedience. And, you know, this has greatly impacted my approach to life, you know, going beyond what is actually cultural and trying new things with God. Now, another highlight of the 10 second rule is the enlightenment that was stirred up in me to be aware of the voice of reason. And I think that basically everyone who is a believer gets to have an encounter with this voice of reason at one point in time or the other. Now, this primarily is the reason why this rule suggests that we act within 10 seconds of receiving an impression or citing an opportunity. Because if we do not, the voice of reason dives in and assures us why we do not necessarily need to act. And so the voice of of reason is basically that voice that tells you why you do not necessarily need to take a step or action that's in line with God's word. Now, to help curtail this, Claire suggests something that I think is very vital. He calls it the need to make predecisions. Now, predecisions, I believe, is a very powerful key. And I'll give you an example. Say you actually are in a place where you want to be more loving and caring uh, for the people that you encounter. You decide to make a predecision that you would intentionally reach out to one person every week. Now, that decision is called a predecision, and it helps you as you go through the week, reminding you that because you have made a predecision to reach out to at least one person in the week, you are more conscious of the fact that you meet people around you, and therefore you are um, you're in that place to reach out to people and to be a blessing to them. And I think that this is very important in order for us to be able to kick indecision out of the way and decisively follow the impressions that God gives us. Now, there is, however, a clause in this book, which I think is very important and cannot be overemphasized, how that this rule must be used with wisdom. Okay, we're not advised to use this rule to spontaneously make weighty decisions such as whom to marry, what job offer to accept, whether to move to a new city or not. Now, obviously, these grades of decisions need prayer, they need counsel, and in many cases, they need time. Okay, so we are seeing that the 10-second rule is basically useful to helping us come out of indecisions concerning, you know, acting on the very godlike impressions that we receive on a daily basis. And as he mentioned, it's also a rule that's useful um, to help us resist everyday temptations that come our way. You know, interestingly, the 2013 print version of this book does have a Bible study guide, which would help each help us go through each of the chapters, not missing out the salient points as they are presented 
to us. I think that this is very helpful in the light of living as disciples and I would recommend the 10 second rule 100% to any believer. While it does not necessarily touch on every single thing that pertains to believers, I believe it's a simple book and I admire the weight of the book in its simplicity and I recommend it to um, believers just as I have mentioned. Now, the question who are you is a very critical question and we're seeing this in the light of being a disciple in other words what does it really mean to be a disciple and how can i practically live my life in the light of being a disciple and i think that the question still remains to us who are you and i hope that we are able to answer that question now i hope this inspires you i'll see you in my next episode do live and lead by design i'm emmanuel and I'm effectual. Bye for now.